I'll be honest with you, uh, on Sunday, I did not see anybody other than my family and people at church. I, I thought later, I thought, I should have said, hey, I should have found somebody and said, can you do me a favor? And gave them a track and said, can you give this out for me? <laughs> uh, I, thought, I thought, man, I probably should have done that because I just don't see people on Sunday other than at church. I don't go anywhere. Uh, I just go back home. But uh, uh, Monday then, I failed again. And I didn't get somebody, I didn't get a track out on Monday, but I made up for it on Tuesday. I got my track out Tuesday, and uh, today I, I did, I got two tracks out, so to, to, to kind of catch up. Uh, but, uh, but I want to encourage you uh, to get some tracks and be sure to pass them out. And uh, I know it's a Sunday school thing, but I thought, you know, does anybody have a testimony? Maybe they want to share a testimony of passing out tracks. And you say, well, on a Monday I did, or Sunday, or Tuesday, or even today. And you say, well, I want to share that. Uh, and you're excited about it, anyone. And if not, that's okay. But I want to give an opportunity to go for it, brother. I failed Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. But today I'm able to give one out. Amen. Good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good. Praise the Lord. She took it. Did she thank you? Yeah. I find most people, nine times out of ten, um, they're like, they take it. And they're like, thank you, or whatnot. And I just try and leave them with a kind comment. Hey, you have a great day. Read that when you get a chance, or something of that nature. And, and most people uh, are kind. Uh, occasionally, you get those, I don't want that. Okay, you'll run into that. that that'll happen. Uh, but they're few and far between. The majority of the people are generally kind, and they generally take them. And, uh, and so uh, I want to encourage you to stay up on, on passing out tracks, uh, and that'll be a help to you, and that'll be a help uh, in, in getting the gospel to the lost and dying world. That's part of doing our part, all right? So I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, Psalm chapter number 30. I want to preach this evening on praise the Lord. Psalm chapter number 30 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for your many blessings in our life. God, thank you for your word. How refreshing, how encouraging, how strengthening it is. Father, when we go to your word and when we consult it, and God, when we find uh, strength to help us in the time of need. Father, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. I pray that you would encourage, strengthen, and help each and every believer that's here tonight. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this psalm, uh, I, I don't remember that we've had any other psalm in the past that has had this specific of a title. So I want to pause for a moment and look at the title. You may or may not have in your Bibles, um, mine is in between Psalm 30 and in the first verse uh, is some smaller print. And it reads this, a psalm and song at the dedication of the house of of David. 
And uh, when I first read that, I thought, uh, well, must be that when David had built his house, uh, that he had a psalm of dedication for the house that he had constructed. And that very well could be. I'm not saying that it is not. Uh, many others, as I started digging in and looking at this, uh, many, many um, believe uh, that, that it was really the t- a psalm that was given by faith looking forward to the dedication of the temple that would be built. Uh, And so uh, that's the context of this psalm. So it's either with his house that he built or in faith looking forward to the temple that would be built. You'll remember this, that David desired to build a temple to God and God said, no, you cannot do it. Uh, David was a man of war. He was a a man, uh, the the Bible says, a, a bloody man of war. And so God would not allow David to build him uh, a temple. Uh, But you remember, David made all the provisions that he could uh, to try and and prep and be ready to build the temple of the Lord. And when his son Solomon then sat on the throne and reigned, uh, there were many things already enabled and put into place where Solomon built that first temple. Uh, and it was a marvelous temple. Well, you'll, if you go back in your Bibles, and you don't have to right now, f- for sake of time, we won't go there. Uh, but I love these stories, and you can jot these down in First Chronicles chapter number 21, or in Second Samuel chapter number 24, we have the story of Ornan. And you'll remember that David had numbered the people. And, uh, and God said, no, you shouldn't number the people. But David went ahead and he numbered the people. And, and God sent a prophet to tell David, hey, because you numbered the people, uh, there's a punishment. And, and he gave them several choices. And so David uh, said, well, you know, I want pestilence rather than anything else. I don't want my enemies to be against us. And so God sent a, uh, a, a problem there in Israel and people died. And, uh, and, and the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 21 and in 2 Samuel, 24, that they got to the floor of Ornan. It says Ornan in Chronicles. It says Auruna uh, in 2 Samuel. Just in case you're reading those, you're like, hey, those are two different people. It's the same person, different story, uh, and and maybe middle name, second name, I don't know. Uh, but nonetheless, it is the same guy. And, uh, and they got to that floor of Ornan. I'm going to use that because it's easier to pronounce. Uh, and, and the Bible says that David saw the angel of God with his sword drawn and, and saw that the thing had stopped. David had prayed to God, hey, uh, please stop the pestilence, stop the disease, stop the judgment of God. And, and, uh, and he was going, and God did, and he was going to offer a sacrifice. And, uh, and he goes to Ornan and he says, hey, uh, would you please uh, let me buy your threshing floor? This is where this all took place. And so uh, Ornan says, you can have the threshing floor, you can have the ox, you can have the instruments that that attach the ox, the yoke that ties them together, uh, and and you can offer a sacrifice. And you'll remember David said this, quite a a good statement. He said, I will offer uh, to the Lord, I will not offer to the Lord something that cost me nothing. Boy, 
I thought as I was reading over that, that, well, you know, David was not a Baptist. Um, you know, somebody else would say, hey, pastor, I want to give this to church. Well, praise the Lord. And David said, no, 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 we're not, we're not taking it. We're paying for it. Uh, a little bit of different circumstances. I'm kidding there. But, but, uh, uh, but David said, no, I'm going to pay uh, for this. And so David then brought the, bought the threshing floor, bought the oxen, bought everything. Let me just pause and say this, because in my reading, those two passages, uh, I, I noticed this. In one passage, it says, 50 shekels of silver, and the other passage says 600 shekels of gold. And so that's no small difference in numbers. And as I read that, just casually, just brushing up on those, I thought, I got to explain that. Uh, and so to, to explain it, I have to understand it. And so I went back and read it again and read it several times. And, and I, I believe here's the, uh, the difference. I think one is the account of, hey, this is how much he paid perhaps for the oxen uh, and the threshing floor uh, because that's all that was said. And, uh, and I could kind of see it going down like this because Ornan was like, hey, I'm just going to give it to you. And, and David saying, no, I'm buying it. And, and, and here, here, take 50 shekels for the, uh, for the, for the threshing floor and for the oxen. And, and then maybe a little bit later, uh, somebody, his accountant, David's accountant coming up and saying, look, 50 shekels of silver is not going to cover it. The value of that is far more. And Ornan just saying, I don't care, I was going to give it anyway. I don't care. And, and, and him actually paying another 600 shekels of gold on top of that. And so I personally think there was two transactions that took place, uh, and that would explain the difference there in price. And, uh, and I've said all of that to say this, in 2 Chronicles chapter 3 and verse number 1, this is interesting, the Bible says, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And so we find that it is the exact location that David had offered this sacrifice uh, and had purchased this threshing floor that uh, the temple was actually built. And, uh, and so I find that very interesting. And so this very possibly could have been the location that God gave to David this psalm and, and he recorded it here. Now as we look at this tonight, I just want us to keep in mind all of that, uh, that, that perhaps this was a psalm of faith looking forward to the temple being built uh, or perhaps a, a psalm of dedication of his house. Uh, you could go either way and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't fight you on either side of that. Uh, uh, but I just want to share with you all of that information as backdropped and history uh, to this psalm. And as we look at verse number one, he says right off in the beginning, I will extol thee. And, uh, and you're scratching your head saying, what is extol? Uh, at least I was. And maybe you're smarter than I am, but uh, I, I looked it up. And, and it means this, to raise in words or eulogy. And a eulogy would be to praise somebody. Uh, and that's the idea, to praise, to exalt in commendation, to magnify. And we find David starts right off in the beginning of this psalm, and he's extolling, he's praising, he's exalting God, he's magnifying God. And uh, listen, uh, as we think about that, hey, praising God is really not a popular thing. I mean, you turn on the TV, you don't find a lot of people praising God. 
that is not the popular thing you turn on the radio. That is not the thing that you're going to hear, by and large, a praise to God. By and large, what you will hear is, woe is me, uh, or woe is our country, if you're watching news, all right, or woe is society. And, and, uh, and what you're going to hear, if you don't watch that, then you're going to find all kinds of other uh, perversity and immorality and sinfulness that is being pushed onto our society. And so I say that to say this, hey, that praising the Lord is not a popular topic, but hey, may we as Christians, may we as born-again believers take time and make sure that we praise the Lord. It might not be popular, but it's something that David did. And listen, it may not have been popular in David's day, but he did it anyway. And he praised God. Not only is it not popular, but I want you to realize this. Praising God is not something that you do in private. Amen. It's not something that you do in private. You can, but of what value is it? It's just between you and God. Um, what, person, what, what person would invent a product... And or maybe even find something that re they really liked. If you found something you really liked and, uh, and, and you wouldn't tell anybody about it. Well, I really like this product. You're just talking to yourself. What good is that going to do? That's not going to make a difference to anybody. Nobody's going to care about that because nobody's going to hear it. But, but praising God is to be public to allow other people to see and realize God is real in your life and he's working in your life and that you are a walking billboard and commercial for the Lord Jesus Christ saying, hey, praise the Lord for what he's done in my life and how he's provided for me and how he has blessed me and how he has taken care of me. And we find that David was publicly broadcasting and praising the Lord. He says, I will extol thee, O Lord. What, look at the, not only his resolution to praise the Lord, but I want you to notice the reason for this adoration. He says there in verse number one, he says, for thou hast lifted me up. Boy, as a Christian, that's one of our primary reasons that we ought to praise the Lord. Uh, we mention it, and, and, and I'll mention it again, and we'll mention it in the future, I'm sure. Hey, hey, listen, in your worst day and in your worst case scenario, you and I, we're going to die and we're going to go to heaven. I mean, that's, that's in our worst day. Uh, most people cannot say that. And listen, we can brag about the fact that, hey, God has lifted us up and that he has saved us. Look at the phrase there in verse number one. Uh, you'll find this phrase several times. For thou hast, look at verse number two at the last part. For, uh, for thou hast, look at verse number three. Thou hast, in verse number three in the middle. Thou hast, we find that phrase shows up four different times and he's giving all the reasons of why he he is adoring, why he is praising God uh, as he, he is there in verse number one. And, and one of them is uh, because God has lifted him up and saved him. Not only that, but look in verse number two, thou hast healed me. And listen, God's the great physician. He's the one that heals our sin sick souls. Listen, we ought to praise God because we are not bound to sin. 
we have the freedom to choose to do what is right. We, we, we're not bound to sin. And we ought to praise God for that liberty. Hey, as Christians uh, in 2023, we ought to understand that far more than David did. Uh, David, you remember, he didn't have the whole Bible. He didn't have, he didn't have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, he didn't have Acts. He didn't have the Pauline epistles. He didn't have all of those things that explained those things to us. And yet he was praising God because he lifted him up. He healed him. We see not only that, but look in verse number three. For thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive. Not only did he promote him in bringing him up, not only did he heal him as the great physician, but he also preserved him. Hey, listen, God is the one that keeps us going. We, we need to depend upon his strength and upon his uh, grace and upon his mercies to keep us going. Uh, sometimes we need, not sometimes, every time we need God's strength to keep us going right and keep us doing right. David recognized that God was the one that kept him going. As I'm reading this and as I'm thinking about this, uh, I'm reminded of the many times that David had run uh, from Saul and Saul was trying to kill him. And, and I could just imagine as David is contrasting these two events because at, at many points in his life uh, he was physically being pursued uh, to be killed by the king of the nation. And now he's standing here as king of the nation. Whether he built her his house or whether he was looking forward to the building of the temple uh, that would be built. Uh, either way, he was in a position of authority and he's looking back and saying, man, what a contrast in that God had lifted me up. God had sustained him. God had saved him. God kept him going during all of those hardships and times of his life when, uh, when he was physically being pursued. And we find the adoration of the psalmist here in verse number one through three. And we find that, uh, that, that he gives us many reasons there in, in, in verses, well, one through three even. But I want you to notice the advice of the psalmist in verse four. We find the adoration of the psalmist. We find the advice of the psalmist in four and five. The Bible says, sing unto the Lord. We find the singing. I, I've said this before. And, and I'll say it again, sometimes, boy, you come into church and, and for whatever reason, whatever transpired in the day, and, and I'm like you, some days, boy, you come in and, and you just don't feel like singing. But they hit that first note, they start singing, and, and I, I sing because I'm supposed to sing. But you know what? You can't sing very long like that without saying, man, I got a reason to sing. And you read those words and you say, man, it just helps kind of wash the badness away and just kind of helps you prepare uh, for the preaching of the word of God. That's kind of what the music and the ministry of music does. But the psalmist here is saying, sing. And we ought to sing unto the Lord. I'm reminded of the verse, Colossians 3.16, that says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you all richly, uh, in you richly, excuse me, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 
We ought to sing. He did not say, sing if you can carry a tune in a bucket. That wasn't a qualification. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, some of us would be eliminated. Uh, but, but he said, hey, sing unto the Lord. You know, I find the more you sing, usually the better you get at it too. And, and uh, I'm just telling you that we ought to have a song as Christians, a spiritual song, as the Bible says in Colossians. It ought to be the song in our heart and we ought to sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. Singing praises God. You know, a lot of people... Um, world, the world rather, the philosophy of the world is why on earth would you sing unless you had an audience, unless you had a crowd? And their mentality and their ideas, we're not singing for him. We're singing for those people so they can look at us and say, man, that guy's really good. Listen, that's not the idea of Christian. We don't come in here and have congregational singing so that, uh, so that we can scout for the next, you know, people that will sing in the choir or for the specials or whatnot. No, we come in here and we sing. Why? Not, not, not for anything like that. We're singing for God uh, in fulfillment of, of the Bible that says, hey, sing in Psalms. Uh, he says, sing unto the Lord in Colossians, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And we ought to sing for God's honor and for God's glory. And, and listen, we ought to sing for him. The advice of the psalmist is sing. Look at who he's directed it to in verse number four. Sing unto the Lord. We see that, that it's directed to the Lord. But who's he talking to? O ye saints of his. Hey, listen, the saints can rejoice. Look at what he says there, the second part, in God's holiness. He says, sing uh, unto the Lord, O ye saints, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Who, who's, who's grateful for God's holiness? Those that are saved, those who are born again. The, the world, the Bible says that, uh, that this is the condemnation that light came into the world. And what? And I'm going to paraphrase that man loved darkness because his deeds were evil. He's not rejoicing at God's holiness. He's not rejoicing at that bright light that is shining. He, he's, he's running away from it. He's a man, I don't want nothing to do with that because it shows how bad I am and it, and it shows me who I am. But as Christians, hey, we ought to rejoice in God's holiness and say, man, what a wonderful God he is that is so holy, so pure, and so good, and that he would love you and I. We can rejoice in his holiness. And the psalmist is saying, sing unto the Lord, O ye, o ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Boy, we could go through song after song after song in our songbook, and they, and they just have so many words of truth. And they, they talk of God's holiness, they talk of how he's cleansed us. They talk about uh, so many doctrines in the word of God. And we ought to be grateful and sing. The advice of the psalmist is to sing, ye saints. Look at verse number five. Some more advice of the psalmist. He says this, and this is probably one of the most comforting verses in scripture. For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. 
Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. We find not only is his advice singing for the saints, but also from sorrow to satisfaction. This is David that we're talking about. This David that, that physically fled for his life, was driven from his kingdom, driven from his family, forced to live in a wilderness, forced to live in caves. For how long? Well, it wasn't a day. It wasn't a week. I don't know exactly. The, I didn't go back and, and look at the length of time that David was on the run and running for his life physically. But this man is saying, hey, sorrow does come and, and it will be there, but it's short time. And sorrow may be there for a night. but Praise the Lord. Joy comes in the morning. What a great thought. We endure some of the hardships. We endure some of the trials. We go through some of those things. And I've often thought about that, that, listen, you know, you don't, you don't appreciate the good times unless you've experienced some of the bad. I, you just, um, I think about our, our grandparents. I think of, of people who knew a different age. And, and every person uh, at some degree would be able to relate to this. Uh, I'll give you a good example, all right? Some of the young people just cannot appreciate GPS because they never knew what it was to not have it. There you go. I drove, I drove all over going to churches without GPS. I would call the pastor, and, and he would dictate to me on the phone, you're going to come into town on this route. Yes, sir, I'm going to come into this round. He's like, you're going to go to the second red light and you're going to go right. And I get my rights and lefts confused all the time. I say, yes, sir, I'm writing this down as fast as I can in chicken scratch. And he's like, you're going to drive out that road two miles and, uh, and you're going to look for a big rock in the field on the right side and you're going to go left. And so I'm writing all this down, man. I mean, as fast as I can. Yes, sir. You're going to go down the road and there'll be a big oak tree and uh, you're going to hang a right and, uh, and, and then the church will be a half mile down there on the left-hand side. And so, man, I would pull into town and, uh, and I'd go wherever that was and I, I would turn and, and go by the rock and, and I'd be utterly lost. I'm like, man, I got to go back to town, find my way back to town, find that light, come in on the right way, go the right direction. And what I'm telling you is, is after doing that time and time again, it's a wonder my wife didn't even kill me because half the time I couldn't even read the chicken scratch I wrote on the piece of paper. And, uh, and it was a wonder that we got to any church whatsoever. But what I'm telling you now is when I take my phone and I punch in a church and I touch it with my finger and it goes, boop, routing, it'll be an hour and a half there. I'm like, Praise the Lord. I can appreciate that. Why? Because I know what it's like to be without. And I'm just telling you that David lived in some of the hardship. And sometimes we don't like the hardship. We go through those hardships. Man, why do we got to go through these hardships? You will never appreciate the goodness and the peace times until you've gone through some of the hardships of life. And you'll appreciate it so much more. David is saying, listen, that, uh, that, that for his anger, talking about God's anger and his judgment, endureth but for a moment in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. 
And we learn to appreciate the good things in life by some of the hardships, some of the mourning that we go through. We're talking about advice of the psalmist. We see the adoration of the psalmist. We see the advice of the psalmist. Look with me in verse number six. We see the admission of the psalmist. The Bible says here in verse number six, and in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Boy, couldn't you picture David saying that? And at first you might read that and say, that's a good thing. Wait, we'll get, we'll get to it. You say, David said, I shall never be moved. Wait a minute, that's kind of a prideful statement as you, we read down through here will find that he in his own pride is saying, I am not going uh, to be moved. And, and, and listen, pride is a, a, a terrible thing, and we've got to be so careful of it. And, and, and it's kind of like him saying, hey, look at me where I'm at. Look at how I've got here. Man, I'm not moving from this place. I'm in a good place. And we see the prideful statement there in verse number 6. And look at the power in, in his admission in verse number 7. He, he's recognizing his error, and he says this, Lord, by thy favor, thou hast made my mountain to stand strong. Thou, thou didst hide thy face, and I was troubled. And he's saying, listen, God is the one that put him in those places. God is the one that moved him to those places. And all of a sudden, uh, when, when God hid his face, David trembled. And said, you know what, I'm, I'm not near as strong as I thought I was. I, I didn't make it to this place on my own. My, my thought turns to uh, one of my, I love the passage that David is fleeing uh, from, from Saul. And Saul is per, per, pursuing him. And, and they're going around a mountain. And, and I could just kind of, if you've ever, I've, I lived for a long time around mountains. And I love mountains. And, and I could just picture uh, David on this side of the mountain and Saul on this side of the mountain. And David's like, man, I'm, I'm just going to go a little higher. And so he works his way around and Saul is pursuing. Well, there's his tracks and, and they're just kind of rotating around the mountain out of sight of each other. And David gets to the very point of the mountain. And what happens? Boy, he, if you, if you're, if you're, it, that's where, that's where to be continued comes in. <laughs> and you're like cliffhanger. Oh, no, I got to finish reading. And, and, and you know what happens? is the Bible says that God allows some enemies to come in and attack Israel. And guess what? Saul is called away from pursuing. And I wonder if at that moment that, that God was dealing with David because perhaps in his heart he was prideful and arrogant saying, I've escaped Saul in the wilderness and I'm pretty savvy about navigating the wilderness and I'm pretty savvy about hiding in the caves and I'm pretty savvy and God took him up a mountain to the point where he couldn't, there was nowhere left to go. There was nowhere to turn and, and David's like, man, this looks like the end of the road. And God moves in and says, I gotcha. And you're only here because I'm the one that is sustaining you. And I'm the one that's protecting you. And we find the, purpose, the, the power in the admission. And David recognized God's instrumental hand in protecting and keeping him where he was. Look at verse number seven. He says, I, in verse number seven, I was in trouble. I was troubled. Excuse me. I was troubled. And, and he recognizes, well, I was arrogant in my last statement and saying, 
I will not be moved. And he recognized all of that. We see the admission there in verses 6 and 7. Look at the appeal in verse 8. It's pretty much a personal testimony. He says, I cried to thee, O Lord. The person for the appeal. He cried unto God. Oh, you know how easy it is? Something takes place. Something happens. Boy, we whip out our phone. Do, 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 do. We used to know numbers. Now we just look up their name and touch the name. Hey, I got this problem. And we call our friend and we call our family and we call this person and that person and we call everyone under the sun. And David's saying, you know what? I make my appeal. I go directly to God with these things. And oh, how we ought to go to God. He's the person to be appealed to. Look at the purpose of the appeal. In verse number nine, he says this, what profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Shall the dust praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? David is appealing to God and he's saying, hey, uh, listen, as long as I'm alive, then my voice can utter praise and, and glory to you. But if I die, then my voice cannot utter praise to you any longer. And so he's He's, for all practical purposes, making an appeal to God, saying, hey, uh, I'm, I may not be that great, but I'm of a little bit of value to you because I do have a voice on earth and I can praise you before other people. And so he's got his purpose for the appeal. But look at his plea in verse number 10, and we've got three H's. You could spend all day there. He says, hear me. He says, hear, O Lord. And he's asking to be heard. Listen, I'm grateful today. We don't have to beg for God's ear. He's invited us to come to his throne room. He says, not only hear, O Lord, but he says, have mercy. Now listen, when we realize who we are, we're, we're grateful for God's mercy. And we ought to say, God, have mercy on me. Frail human being. David's pleading for mercy. He says, hear me, God. Have mercy on me. What does he say the next thing? He says, Lord, be thou my helper. Boy, we got to have God to help us day by day through this life. His appeal is to God and his plea is for, for to be heard of God and to have mercy from God and to be helped of God. That's what he desires there in his life as we look at his appeal. But I want you to notice as well at the close of the chapter here in verse 11 and 12, the affirmation of the psalmist. And this is his declaration, really. He says in verse number 11, Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou, and we have these thou hast again, these phrases, and they were kind of scattered throughout the chapter. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. God was doing these things and David was recognizing, hey, these are things that God has done for David. And he's saying, what a blessing 
to know that God has done these things. And what is sackcloth? Sackcloth, very briefly, is uh, a coarse, dark cloth made of goat's hair, and it represented sorrow, mourning, and repentance many times in the Jewish religion. And, and you'd see that you'll read in your Bible as you read through it that he put on sackcloth and ashes. And that was a statement of mourning or, or maybe a statement of repentance. And, and it was a very visual uh, way of declaring that they were sad or they were sorrowful or, or or something took place and and so David is saying hey you removed that sackcloth from off me and you put on gladness you took away my sadness and you gave me joy in my life and there's a change that has been affirmed that David is 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 affirming to everyone as he declares that look in verse number 12 he says to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee. We find the course of his affirmation that he's directing his, he desires to praise God. Not himself, not his kingdom, not anything else, but to give praise and glory to God. That's what he started out with in the beginning. I will extol thee, O Lord. And then in credit, in verse number 12, he says, O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. But we ought never take for granted what God does in our life. So many times we're quick to utter a prayer, but slow to utter thanks. I was reminded of the ten lepers in the New Testament. God healed them, Jesus healed them and sent them away and, and they left and one came back and gave thanks to God. And I thought, boy, in our life, we need to be thankful for what God does for us. Every day, God does stuff for us. Every day, to be honest with you, we could thank God over and over. To be honest with you, we really don't know how much and how many times God blesses and protects us and keeps us from things that very well could happen. And we ought to be grateful. And he says, I will give thee thanksgiving, something to that effect, forever. We ought to thank God for all that he does for us. He's truly so good to us. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we look at the psalm, and it is a psalm of praise. A psalm that says, thank you, Lord. I will extol thee. I will sing to thee. I recognize your work in my life as he goes on and on about all the things that God did, how God saved him, how God uh, sustained him, how God kept him going. God's truly been good to us. Father, we thank you. God, I thank you. We thank you corporately as a church for how you've blessed our church. God, you've been so good to us. God, you, on a, a family level, God, on my personal family, you've blessed. And God, I, I thank you for that. God, on a personal level, you've been so good to me personally. God, I thank you for that. God, I, I think we just don't thank you enough. God, I pray that you'd help us to be thankful, to be grateful for all that you've done for us and to open our mouth and praise you 
before other people. And let the world know that we serve a living God that is still working in 2023, that's still doing things for us, your people. God, I pray that you'd help us to be grateful, to be praising, to be singing, and to give you the glory for all the things in our life that you do. God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, if God's spoken to your heart,